Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Dr. Michael Youssef, exposing a flaw in the Corinthian church that can be easily applied to the church today. A major part of the problem in the Corinthian church, as it is the problem in so many churches today, is that they think love is just a nice feeling, love is just warm affection, that love is just romantic desires. Now, don't get me wrong, there is nothing wrong with these things. They may be a manifestation of the true love, they may be an expression of the true love, but they're not really the true love. These are not the true love that the Bible tells us about here. And that true love is what Dr. Michael Yusuf explores next on Leading the Way as he opens to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, often referred to as the love chapter in the Bible. And you'll see how living out your spiritual gifts requires one key ingredient to make it all effective. You guessed it, love. Join with me in listening to Dr. Michael Yusuf for today's Leading the Way. In chapter 13, Paul tells us that love is far from being this gooey, mushy, fuzzy feeling that we talk about. It is actually, listen to me carefully, 1 Corinthians 13 is actually a two-by-four. <laughs> you heard me right. It's a two-by-four. Then he's hitting the church with that two-by-four. Chapter 13. You never thought about it this way. Now you do. Because having a spiritual gift does not make you spiritual. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Having spiritual does not make you spiritual. Listen to me. I have known great, famous preachers who are carnal. And so do you. Only walking in the Spirit makes you spiritual. I want you to hear me right, because the believers in the Corinthian church, they were very similar to the believers in the Ephesians church, as we see them not in Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, but in the book of Revelation chapter 2. I say, what is that similarity? Well, they have lost their first love for Christ. They were running on empty. They've lost their first love for Christ, but they were maintaining the program. They lost their first love for Christ, but they were riffing the engine of the church. They lost their first love, but they kept the machine running. They lost their first love, but they maintained the outward facade of activities. And the reason they lost their first love is because they moved from the source of love. They got so bogged down in their self-interest, they got so bogged down that they've forgotten whose church it is. Beloved, not a single time that I come down the street and turn to this church building without reminding myself, this is the church of Jesus Christ. A major part of the problem in the Corinthian church, as it is the problem in so many churches today, is that they think Love is just a nice feeling. Love is just warm affection. That love is just romantic desires. Now, don't get me wrong. There is nothing wrong with these things. They may be a manifestation of the true love. They may be an expression of the true love, but they're not really the true love. These are not the true love that the Bible tells us about here. The agape, or agape as some pronounce it, is not that self-seeking love. 
Agape demands something of us to give for of us. We often say, oh, I'll die for you. How is that talk is cheap? Show me how you die. Talk is cheap. Let me see if you can die to your opinion. Let me see if you can die to your ideas. Let me see if you can die to your possessions. Let me see if you can die to your feelings. Hear me right. Agape has no room for pride, arrogance, or self-promotion. In John chapter 13, the Bible said when Jesus loved his disciples, he loved them to the end. Or another translation, he loved them to perfection. He loved them to completeness. Here's what I have learned through the years from many painful experiences. I won't bore you with them. I have discovered that lovelessness, lovelessness is the root of disobedience to God. Seldom do you read in the Gospels about Jesus saying to the disciples, I love you guys, I love you guys, I love you guys, which we do, and that's fine. But you know what? They knew. They felt it. They've experienced it. He didn't have to keep repeating it to them. Okay, now, after this short introduction, I get to the text. But I want you to fasten your seatbelt because I'm going to move fast. You ready? All right, verse 1. If I am the most eloquent speaker in the world but incapable of loving, I am making a whole bunch of noises. That's really what rough translation. In fact, I'm going to give you a lot of rough translations, but you'll get the meaning. (laughs) You might be a person with silver tongue who sway millions of people, but without true biblical love, (laughs) it's a bunch of noise. The Corinthians were clamoring for the gift of tongues. They all want to speak in tongues. They want to speak in tongues. Of all the gifts of the Spirit we'll see in the next message, they want that one. Why? Paul said, (laughs) I speak even more than all of you. But even if I speak all of the languages that is known to the world, and I don't have love, I'm a windbag. Verse 2. To proclaim the Word of God without love will have no lasting or eternal impact. Oh, people might say, oh, look at him. Isn't he awesome? Use that word awesome only when you're referring to God. Only God is awesome. Oh, look at her. Isn't she wonderful? No. God says, that's a bunch of hot air. Not only that, but if I comprehend all the secrets of the universe, if I'm able to know beyond the physical realm, if I'm able to see beyond the physical realm, if I'm able to perform supernatural acts, all of that is nothing without the fruit of love. Beloved, you know and I know that knowledge without agape produces spiritual snobbery, cockiness. I want to tell you, and I pray to God you don't misunderstand me, spiritual knowledge is wonderful. It really is. It is absolutely beyond description. Spiritual knowledge is a beautiful gift, 
And I thank God for it. Spiritual knowledge can be a blessing and fruit-filled in the work of God, but only if it is ministered in love. Even if I'm a great man of faith, which I'm not, who I can trust God for supernatural miracles, supernatural intervention, which I believe He has given me that to do on behalf of others, never on behalf of myself. This means nothing if it is not exercised in love. Jonah was a great prophet. Oh, he was a great prophet in the Old Testament. He experienced one of the greatest, if not the greatest, revival known to man. It is absolutely amazing that he had total faith, complete faith, that if the Word of God is preached to the pagan Ninevites, they will repent and they will believe. He knew that. He believed that by faith. Oh, but Jonah did not have love for the Ninevites. Remember what I said earlier. Lovelessness leads to disobedience. And you read at the end of Jonah's life, sat under a tree, feeling sorry for himself, for his success in the work of God. Lovelessness is the source of disobedience. Verse 3, eloquence, tongues, prophecy, spiritual knowledge, and even faith, none of these, or all of these combined without love, amount to anything. But there's more. Add to this list benevolence. That is giving of everything, giving your entire net worth away, and then you have to take a vow of poverty. If it is not done in genuine love, it means nothing to God. It is not only giving away of your possessions, all of them, all of them. Even if you give your body and be martyred, and we're seeing more martyrs for Christ today than any other time in 2,000 years of Christian history, but even if I give my body to be martyred for Christ, if it is not done out of love and for love, it means nothing. The loveless person produces nothing, is nothing, and gains nothing. Look at verses 4 and 5. Here is the most comprehensive biblical description of the fullness of love. The list here tells us what love is and what love is not. I know we all tend to measure ourselves with others. I know that. It's a trap that I got caught into earlier in my ministry, and so I know what I'm talking about. I know. The only measuring stick is Jesus. You say, Michael, that's impossible. Jesus was the perfect Son of God. He was the divine Son of God. Yes, overnight it is impossible. And that is why it takes a lifetime of constant measuring and failing sometimes and succeeding other times and constantly measuring and measuring and measuring yourself with Christ. Love is patient. Listen, any serious-minded believer should be able to say, I am more Christ-like this year than I was last year. Those of us oldies, any serious-minded believer should be able to say that my Christ-likeness this decade is greater than it was last decade. This is not pride. This is just reality. It's important reality. And that is what patience means here. Someone who wronged you, listen carefully, someone who wronged you, 
and wounded you deeply. And it is within your power to retaliate, but you don't. Patient here means never, never to retaliate when a person wrongs you personally. Listen, I'm going to make the distinction here. It's very important. See, in the Greek world to which Paul is writing, this is crazy talk. It is absolute crazy to say you don't retaliate. What do you mean? Because revenge in the Greek culture was a virtue. Oh, but Christ-likeness says, let God do it. He does a far better job than you can ever do or hope to do. Love is kind. You know, beloved, let me tell you, kindness has a laboratory. And the greatest laboratory for kindness is in the home. If it fails in the home, it's not going to succeed anywhere else. Love is not jealous. Uh, Shakespeare called jealousy the green sickness, the sorrows of fools. (laughs) And here's something I believe that can help us along the way. I often remind myself there is always somebody better than me. There's always a better preacher. There's always a better doctor. There's always a better lawyer. There's always a better salesman. There's always somebody better than you. And when love sees someone more popular, successful, beautiful, talented, love says, more power to them. More power to them. Let me tell you something else that is so devastating about jealousy. Really more accurate the word envy, but it is not only want what somebody else has, but often this disease, the other person to suffer ill. You know what I'm talking about? Hear me out, please. Jealousy is not a harmless, moderate sin. It is not. And I've seen it in churches. I've seen it among pastors. Jealousy is devastating. Proverbs 27, 4 says, Wrath is fierce. Anger is a flood. But who can stand before jealousy? Jealousy drives people to do some horrible and terrible things to each other. Love does not brag. What is bragging? It's trying to make other people jealous. That's why they come right next to each other. (laughs) Bragging is making other people jealous of you. Love does not parade accomplishments. Jealousy is wanting what somebody else has, and bragging is parading what you have and make other people jealous of you. Jealousy puts others down in order that we may lift ourselves up, push them down so we can brag about how great we are. (laughs) C.S. Lewis said, bragging is the uttermost evil. It is the epitome of pride. Love is not arrogant. Now, the Corinthians had no reason to be arrogant. A person is arrogant would think that everything he has, self-made, is him, her. Question, what is the cure for that? Remembering that everything, and I'm talking about everything that you have, is given to you. Everything you have is given to you. That will cure it. This fact alone would drive us to our knees instead of make us standing on tippy-toe saying, hey, look at me. Love does not act unbecomingly. Better translation, love does not act gracelessly. 
gracelessly. Love always being gracious, even to people who are rude. Did you get that? These people who cut you off on the road and uh, as you were driving. It is gracious even to people who put us down in order to raise themselves up. God bless them. Even people who are ungrateful for sacrifices that we made on their behalf. Love does not seek its own. What does that mean? It means the opposite of what we see all around us today, from self-fulfillment to self-actualization to self-serving to self-this and self-that and self-other thing. (laughs) The Corinthians would not even share their food at the love fest, communion. We saw that in chapter 11. They wouldn't share the food. Their attitude was, what mine is mine, and what's yours is mine too. <laughs> Love is not easily provoked. Not easily aroused to anger. Now, I've got to stop here and tell you something important. He is not talking about righteous anger. The righteous anger that flares when we see sin, and the devastation of sin, and the merchants of sin... The righteous anger flares when we see false teachers and false preachers misleading thousands of people. That's righteous anger. He's not talking about this. He's talking about anger that results from our pride being injured. Love does not keep records of wrong. The Greek word logosomai, from which we get the word logging, not logging of the trees, but logging when you log down and keep records, particularly in in accounting and financing. The purpose for entering things on the ledger to record it or log it in is important. You have a permanent record of it so you can go back to it. Listen carefully, please. In finances and in business, this is absolutely important. It is a must. But in a relationship between a husband and wife, in a relationship between believers, that is not the case. Burn them every day. Keeping records, keeping ledgers against each other can be a source of misery for those who are keeping the books. Love should erase the records and do it immediately. Don't wait a month or two or a year or two. It will get bigger. So get rid of it right away. Bring it to the foot of the cross. Present it under the blood of Jesus Christ. Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. Now, beloved, it's not an accident that the next description of love is that it rejoices in the truth. See, the Holy Spirit was not just throwing some words out there. No, no, no. These are logically organized words by the Creator of the world, the Spirit of God. Because false teachers and preachers can say, well, don't keep record of wrong. Yeah, forgive. Ah, the other side of it is rejoicing in the truth. Because without rejoicing in the truth, you will not have power inside of you to be able to forgive and let go of the ledgers. Because love does not accommodate to falsehood. No, 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 no. Love does not wink at sin. Love does not tolerate unrighteousness. Love cannot tolerate false doctrine. Love cannot tolerate false teaching. Love cannot tolerate compromise. Love bears all things. What does that mean? You don't broadcast the failures of others before you go and talk to them. 
you need to talk to the person directly. You don't go out and spread rumors and false in your windows. Deal with them one-on-one. Love believes all things. It's not suspicious or cynical. Love hopes all things. Even when faith is weak, love holds on to hope. Love doesn't see a person's failure to be a final or permanent. Always hopes that God is going to do His work in him or in her. Always hope. That's why believing members of this church who've ever talked to me, they will tell you this. I have said to many people on -on one-on-one individually, and you've heard me from this pulpit, when you have an unbelieving member of your family, don't ever, 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 ever give up praying for them. Love endures all things. This actually is a military term. And it comes from the fact that if during war... When an army comes and found a strategic position like a hill or a mountain, you hold on to it and you fight and you stand your ground and you never give up. It's very important. Hold on to it. Love stands against overwhelming opposition. (laughs) Love refuses to stop being, believing, and hoping, and enduring Love never stop loving. Why? Verses 8 to 13 tells you why. Because in heaven there will be no need for faith or hope. Why do we need faith in heaven? We have faith now because we can't see God. But in heaven we'll be seeing Jesus face to face. We will see Him on the throne being glorified and praised and adored and worshipped. There is no need for faith or hope because we hope for in Christ because we can't see Him. But there will be no need for spiritual gifts because we will have the fullness of the Spirit. And yet love is forever the very air that we're going to breathe in heaven. Amen. Give God glory. Why? Because God is love. You're listening to Dr. Michael Youssef and his series, Healthy Living in a Sick World, on Leading the Way. Make it a point to visit ltw.org slash Jesus if you'd like to explore more about the love of God and learn more about how to be a follower of Christ. Hey, before time's completely gone, allow me to quickly mention a free resource available from Leading the Way. Each month, Dr. Yusuf collaborates with the Leading the Way team to create relevant content in a magazine called My Journal. In it, you'll not only read ministry highlights and see special content from our leadership team, but also experience insights into world events and trends with a biblical perspective. Get your free trial subscription started today. Call a representative and ask about My Journal. The number is 1-300-133-589. or ltw.org, ltw.org. Also, Dr. Yusuf loves getting your letters too, so write to us at Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. Leading the Way, P.O. Box 1900, Penrith, New South Wales, 2751. I always remind myself of what God did in Egypt. It says, in the land of Egypt, it was darkness in the middle of the day, noon hour. They couldn't see their hand in front of them. And yet, in the community of faith, the people of God, Israel, had light. 
and in every way. When the plagues were plaguing Egypt, God's people stayed secure in the palms of His hands because they are to fulfill His purpose. And I believe with all my heart that God is going to protect His own in the middle of that frenzy because of one purpose and one purpose only. God wants the light of the gospel to shine brighter in the darkest moment. Passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth on Leading the Way. This program is brought to you by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.